Um, if anyone's interested in taking over as the co-host of the NFL Scotland podcast, it's not for me. Paul, I think the people of Dundee are coming for you. I'm not sure you'll <laughs> see next week. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 118 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Quarter one is complete, so four games in, well for most, we'll be separating the Diddies from the elite. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. We've still got six unbeaten teams, but plenty more of Super Bowl dreams. Then there's the Jets. We'll try not to talk about the Jets. We are, however, going to talk about Green Bay, so it's only right we're joined by Scotland's own Mr. Cheese himself. Charles Patterson joins us. Good evening, Charles. Yeah, good evening. I'm feeling a bit under the weather. I've got a bit touch of vertigo at the moment because I'm so high up looking down on these teams that are not 4-0. You know, it's, it, it, it kind of makes me want to get out in a cold sweat and even better is the fact that you know there's a bye coming things are good but apart from the vertigo of course and the fact that we might be heading towards some kind of impending lockdown doom too <laughs> what what a roller coaster the start of this podcast has been already um <laughs> do you know what? i'm going to start right away with that is this the worst timing for a bye week for the packers no i don't think so um if you want to get your number one and number two receivers fit um I said at the start of the summer that the teams that were going to be successful this year would be relying on continuity. So all the teams that I think we expected to do well have done well, including Green Bay, Kansas City, Baltimore, Buffalo. These teams are have come back and they are the same in, in, in the grand scheme of their parts. But also it's about flexibility and adapting with this weird world we're living in, this COVID world. And there's been so many injuries, not just COVID-related issues, but there's been injuries. And the teams that adapt the best are the ones that are going to prosper. And Green Bay have lost two wide receivers, and then they, you know, they smoke Atlanta. And it it was easy. It was really easy. And and I'm not concerned at all um, about the fact that the buy is happening now. It's just what more do you want is to rather than to get healthy. At the moment, and I think every team in the league would like to get healthy right now. Yes, uh, I certainly would be. San Francisco, happy. In particular. <laughs> so, I, unfortunately, we're not going to get much healthier than we are. I don't think, but um, the biggies are out for the whole damn season, and what a disappointing game it was. Um, obviously, Nick Mullins, I sang his praises last week. You know, questioned whether he was one of the best backup quarterbacks in the division. Now, actually, based on the performances in Kansas City, the the best backup certainly isn't in New England. But um, you know, I think Nick Mullins tried an awful lot to make things happen, tried to force the issue, and in doing so, allowed the Eagles the opportunity to pick him off, uh, to put him under pressure. And on the night, it just it showed why he's a backup and why he's not a starting quarterback. Um, it was a close game, disappointing. I think we've been so banged up. There's signs there of positivity, so I'm not necessarily massively worried. Our season was kind of done from any kind of idea of winning anything after week two with all those injuries. There's just no way you can take that many injuries and and still be a contender. You can take one or two. Hang on, hang on. on. You're 2-2 and you're playing the Dolphins next week. Stop 
Boring. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I'm talking long term here. Talking long term. So I think short term they've done fine. Do you know what? Given the injuries they've gone through, to be two and two, I'm pretty happy. I'll take that all day long, especially after that horrible week one win. Uh, week one win. Week one defeat to the Cardinals, and we were fully fit then, so we had no excuses. Um, but anyway. Uh, there's no panic being. St- you being overly negative here? Yeah, there's no panic button being pushed. There's no. Pa- there's very. It's it's realism. I'm being very realistic. We're not going to win the division. We might sneak into a wild card place. I don't anticipate we will. But there's some bum divisions in the NFC. There's certainly no wild card team coming out of the East. So you know we can write that one off. Um, but yeah, there's a slim chance there. There's a slim chance. So you never know. You never know. And My thanks to Corporal Fraser next week on Dad's Army. <laughs> Gee whiz, we're doomed. We're doomed. Gee whiz. I mean, take, take my team. We had a horrible situation going into Detroit with a with a false positive. We had numerous players out injured. We're 14 nothing down. Do we whinge and complain? Of course, it's not in our DNA. We just wouldn't do such a thing. And we come back to win anyway. But to come back to Charles's point, you know, is it a good time for Green Bay to get uh, a week off? I think he's right. I think it is. We Nickel is about to lock down Greater Glasgow, Midlothian, Shetland and Wisconsin. Um, so I think it's a great time for her um, to do that. It's probably the only way we're going to stop Green Bay at the moment. So I think a wee week off for Green Bay. I think Charles is right. I think it comes at a perfect time for them. I think the continuity has been there. I mean, I'm just waiting. I mean, they'll probably make the film during the off week of the new romance between head coach and quarterback in Green Bay. Not quite sure what they're going to call it, Cheeseback Mountain or something like that. But it's just utterly bizarre how that has gone from you know torturous to suddenly they're all lovey-dovey together but good on them they're going to be high up in my power rankings that's for sure i think it was perception last year as well and matt lafleur has proved he's a good coach over the the last 12 13 months and i think aaron Rodgers, as as you've mentioned before cameron has is, is perhaps on a bit of a revenge tour um but aside from that, players are playing better. And we're going to go on to a team shortly who are now without a head coach where players have been playing well, but there were things above them which didn't go right. And ultimately, sport's pretty simple. You're, you live and die by whether your players are playing well or not and whether there's good management and good structure going on. Green Bay's all good management and good structure. And the players played pretty well last year, but they're playing better now. So it, it's a simple game sometimes. And if you've got your players fit and they're doing the business, then, you know, it's coaching's an easy job. And it helps when you find a tight end who randomly comes from nowhere to score the tied most tight end touchdowns in the Super Bowl era in a single game. You know, that's helpful for sure. <laughs> um Right, we're going to we're going to do things a little bit differently in this one. Now, the last couple of episodes, we've gone back and looked at all the results that happened at the week before. But for this one, what we're going to do is we'll scan over the week four. Uh, we'll go to our awards. We'll chat about that. And then we're going to move on and start giving a bit of a scorecard. Uh, as we said at the top there, Q1 is done. Um, it's complete. And now it's time to decide whether Diddy or Elite. Um, we will then also come on to Bill O'Brien because we need to talk about that because that Texans franchise is a shambles. Um, we were chatting about this on the NFL Scotland podcast WhatsApp group, so there'll be some of that chat. And then at the end of it for all, I'm going to explain to you line by line 
and give you a spoiler alert for the rest of the season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going to give you the result for each of their games <laughs> from now until the end of the season. So let's scan back through the um, the results. We'll go back to the Broncos Jets, 37-28. Jets 0-4 in two straight seasons, which is the first time in their history. Who would have thought that Adam Gase wasn't the first person to get sacked? Um, anyone that's been following along at home knows that there is a burger and whiskey bet between me and Gordon McGuinness that Joe Flacco would start in place off a healthy Sam Darnold. Um, Joe Flacco looks set to start this week, but it's not a healthy Sam Darnold, so that bet is pending. Um, basically, what needs to happen now is if Flacco retains the starting position when Darnold's had a full week of practice, having come back from injury, then I'm going to lose that bet to Gordon. So I'm desperately hoping that he gets popped on IR or gets traded away somewhere. That would be nice. Anyway, um, Panthers beat the Cardinals. Cardinals, after a great start to the season, kind of slipping a little bit. Carolina 2-0 in games without Christian McCaffrey. Mike Davies, they don't need McCaffrey. What a, you know, what a run game they've got. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater playing really well as well. Colts managed to beat out the Bears quite easily, I think. Um, they allowed just 28 rushing yards, uh, which is quite something. Joe Burrow got his first win against the Jaguars. Um, what a breakout week for the season for Joe Mixon. Uh, like most people... Um, I didn't follow trend and I popped him on my bench. So that was a good decision. (laughs) Played Cam Robinson instead. What a twat. Um, Browns Cowboys, what a game. 49-38. Dak Prescott, 450 plus yards in three straight NFL games, which is an NFL record. Can I just dive in there? You can. Uh, Are the Cowboys the worst defense ever? <laughs> right on. Um, I mean, Cowboys fans can slaughter me if you're like, are they the worst defense you've ever seen? Because I've never seen a team defend that badly. I think the Jets would uh, argue with that, but I, I, I get what I get what you're saying. It's it's just the the big play give up ability. And there we go. That could be the new bounce back ability phrase. Their give up ability of big plays has been stunning, absolutely stunning. I mean. I don't know who's calling the plays, whether they're just picking them out a hat and going that way, you know, the, the, the defensive tombola that's going on there. But they do look horrible. You look for a redeeming feature and you can't find one. And if you're on the offense, I mean, how can, you know, how can the offense be that good in terms of, you know, how can you throw 502 yards, four touchdowns and interception, rack up 38 points and lose by 11? You know, it's just, it's almost impossible to do. But interestingly, they had to go to the air early at what, 12 attempts, 54 yards. Uh, but they just got, I mean, Baker Mayfield, if you look at it from the Browns' point of view, 165 yards. That's all he threw. And yet the, the opposite quarterback gets over 500 and loses. Dak, um, Dak Prescott, this, I, I saw this stat, Dak Prescott is on pace for 6,760 yards which would blow every record out of the water. No, yeah. no quarterback's ever thrown for more than 5,500 yards. To me, there's nothing wrong with the offense, although I do think that they should, they should be running it through Ezekiel Elliott, if only to get me more fantasy points. But the defense is beyond bad. And the most hilarious thing is that they even gave up a two-point conversion um, which would, off, off, a, off, a, off an extra point, which got blocked. So, I mean, nothing goes right. And I, but I've never seen anything so bad in my life. It was absolute five-star entertainment to watch them, though. It's brilliant. One contender to that uh, bad defences could be the Detroit Lions. 
Detroit have now lost six straight games in which they've led by 10 or more points. That's quite something. There's, you know, it's a special defense that allows you to blow that much of a lead, especially as well. That's another great offense. And actually, I think Matt Stafford showed against the Saints. And, and Paul, I mean, genuinely, how worried were you? Can I be absolutely honest with you yeah. and say I wasn't worried at all? Okay. Absolutely, genuinely wasn't worried in the slightest. If you're going to go 14 nil down to an opening drive touchdown and then, you know, an interception, do it within the first five or six minutes because we've, we've all seen enough NFL games by now to know that basically if you're only two scores down at the end of a quarter or the first quarter, then the game's still wide open. And I think the Saints took control. Uh, I was quite impressed with the way they took control. It got a little bit tight at the end. I mean, there was, and I know I'm getting a reputation for moaning about calls, but there was a couple of ticky-tacky calls that went against the Saints. So one of, the second one on Anzalone where the Saints intercepted in the end zone to win the game, that you don't want that call. That's awful. Uh, and it made it a little bit more interesting. It wasn't the worst call of the week, though, as, as, as I can see from Charles quite being disbelieving. Um <laughs> What I would say, and it's interesting, Emmanuel Sanders, who's not got a reputation for being a whining player, has gone on to a podcast last week and he has said he cannot believe the level of officiating against the Saints when it comes to basically the benefit of the doubt calls. He says the Saints simply don't get them. Now, he's bound to say that and I can hear all the arguments again, but Emmanuel Sanders has been around the league a long time and he doesn't have a reputation as a whiner. He's got a reputation as a thinker, if anything. And he basically says he cannot believe the way that the Saints are officiated. From thinker to stinker. Um, that would be the takeaway for me there. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders has clearly lost his mind. I mean, he left San Francisco to go to New Orleans. One, he went to a quarterback that doesn't have an arm. I mean, honestly, what's he doing? Um, he's only been there for three games. How can he be commenting on that? That's just like, oh, come on, come on. Because he's, because he's an astute footballer. It's written into his contract. As part of this, you need to moan about officials as far and wide as you possibly can. And I'm so disappointed that on a podcast, uh, Charles, you having your head in your hands there, doesn't, it just doesn't come across in audio form. So boring. <laughs> Move on, next game. Yon, anyway, yon. anyway, 246 yards and two touchdowns, blowing away on the road, overcoming a 14-point deficit. Yeah, I think Breeze is going to do just fine. Let's move on. <laughs> um, Vikings uh, convincing against the terrible, terrible Texans. Uh, Dalvin Cook has had six rushing touchdowns in his first four games, which is second most in Minnesota history. The Seahawks impressive in the end against the Dolphins, who actually made more of a game of this than I anticipated. But Seattle 4-0 for only the second time in team history. The last time the Seattle Seahawks went 4-0, they won the Super Bowl. Just saying. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, struggled past uh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Brady, though, was apparently pinpoint perfect in the second half. An absolute perfect quarterback rating. Sixth time or something? I actually, I didn't even look. I got bored when I was reading it. He's done it a uh, number no, of times no, in his career. No, 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 no. Let's hang on a second. 
pinpoint accurate in the second half. So you don't have to be accurate for the whole game then if you're one of our 40s quarterback. That's bollocks. He was terrible in the first half. He flung <laughs> a pick six. Let, let's not go there. This is this is dreadfully inconsistent by my co-host here. Yes, he came back. Yes, he settled them down. But no, I wouldn't be giving uh, Tom Brady a free pass just yet. Can't wait to see where they're going to be in your power rankings this week, Cameron. <laughs> And they'll be lingering about the same place, I would imagine. Um, the Ravens kind of struggled against the Washington football team. Maybe not, because they ended up putting RG3 in towards the end of the game, and maybe Washington got some junk time points. But still, it, that 31-17 just sounds an awful lot closer than it, than it was. The Rams struggled against the Giants, which I was surprised at. Um, so, you know, that... There's a backstory to that, apparently. Ah, now there's there's a story around. Is this the the Golden Tate Jalen Ramsey one? Yes. We will and come, apparently, yes. We'll yeah, get to that. We? We'll get to that in the awards. <laughs> we'll definitely get to that one. Um, Bills looked impressive against the Raiders four and zero for the Raiders. Uh, sorry, four and zero for the Bills for the first time since two thousand and eight. Obviously, we saw that the Eagles won twenty five twenty against the Forty ers uh, One hundred eighty three yards for George Kittle, most by a tight end vs the Eagles since at least nineteen forty eight. So I don't know what so that stat's taken directly off the NFL website. So that's it's so specific. Uh, we talked about the Packers easing past the Falcons, um, 30-16. And then we had the Chiefs um, winning 26-10 against the Patriots. But perhaps not as easy as we thought it might be. And I guess largely down to that Patriots defense, which is legitimately good. Um, even with all the players that decided to opt out this year, they they are still a force to be reckoned with. And if Cam Newton was in that game, actually, I think that would have been an absolute cracker. It's it feels like a real shame that we were kind of denied the opportunity to see Cam go uh, to Kansas City and see what we could do out there. But yeah, any, any headlines, guy? Before we go into the awards, no, I think you're yeah, just touching on that game. I watched it get back this morning, and the scheming by Bill Belichick was astonishing. And actually, they blew a couple of chances to, to lead going into the fourth quarter there. So, yeah, I think Kansas City were always going to win it. Yeah. But they, um, they absolutely blew it. The, um, the, the res- I mean, We've talked about the Cleveland. The Cleveland Browns, I think, are probably legit now. I think we can say that. And, God, I, I do apologize to every Cleveland Brown fan out there who's endured a quarter of a century of misery. But your team is actually quite good now. So even though you were playing... Um, basically, a sieve of a defence. Uh, <laughs> other, other than that, I think you know it was. It, it, I think this was the week that we realised that COVID could well impact on the entire league because there was one game you'd mentioned which didn't take place. Of course, the Titans Steelers game has been postponed, and there's been a bit of shuffle around with bye weeks and stuff like that. And it's going to be played in a few weeks' time, but it is unthinkable now that we're not going to have more disruption. How that's going to impact on the league, we just don't know. But you do wonder whether or not we're going to get through to Christmas time and New Year and the end of the regular season without more disruption. I can't see it. It, it felt like the league was desperate for this Patriots-Chiefs game to get on. Like, the incubation period for the COVID, based on what we've been told, it feels like there could be a situation even there where some of those Patriots players could well have had contact with Cam. And there's maybe information that we've not been told, but it feels like some of those guys could still be ending up falling foul of COVID because it was pretty near. Um, and it felt like a couple of tests, a couple of tests, right, off you pop, see you later. But 
Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about some of that being rushed through. Um, I understand why they want it. They don't want all these games slipping, all these bye week problems coming up. Um, there was supposedly going to be a meeting yesterday. I, I haven't seen anything out of the back of that yet. Um, but yeah, you, I think you're right. I, this is not going to be the first game to fall foul off it. And you saw even the situation with the Saints that you touched on there, Paul. Um, obviously, that could have been a massive worry if Kamara was suddenly unavailable in that game. That would have been a very different outcome, I think. Yeah, but, but the point was, it was a false positive. And this is the other problem that we've got, that these tests that they're using aren't always 100% reliable. I'm not going into conspiracy theory mode or anything like that, but they're simply not. And there's also evidence starting to emerge. And again, it's getting very hard to believe the science because people are coming out from other ends that saying that if you've had coronavirus, you're almost over it, you can still actually test positive for it. So, you know, it's very, very difficult. Now, baseball have managed to complete their regular season, which nobody thought they would, and they've got into the playoffs, which is great. I think the teams have got to take care, take responsibility, and I think sensible decisions have got to be made. Yes, there may be a game or two that goes by the wayside. Um, it might be that they extend the season by a week or two. Uh, and just reschedule the playoffs so you can get through these things. So I'm, I'm not overly concerned, I have to say, but I think there will be bumps in the road naturally. But I think teams have got to be careful not to to overreact. You know, these are big organisations with big staff and the sheer the percentage of people testing positive is absolutely minute. They've still got to keep it all safe. Though. Yeah, I think the, tech, the, Texas, the Titans have definitely been the one um, serious situation where there's been multiple people over a couple of days then resulting in getting positive tests. It'll be interesting to see what situation they're in when they come to play the Bills this weekend. But we'll move on to the awards now before we get into our Q1 uh, report cards. So Lauren Callahan, his belter for the week is tight end Robert Tonyan. Three touchdowns, including one where he got tripped up, somersaulted, got back up and got open to get the catch. Bowfin for him is the Cowboys D. He reckons me, Paul... Ian and Gordon could have averaged 7.7 yards per catch per carry sorry against them we could have done it per catch as well I've seen you throw the ball Paul we would have been good uh, easy Bob Ag for him the now jobless Bill O'Brien um, the Patriots football chat with Jake and Matt their belter was Damian Harris uh, Baufin was Brian Hoyer and the refs in the Chiefs game and Bob Ag is the NFL for playing the Chiefs vs Pats game not through the incubation period yet so could still see positive tests amongst the players which is what we were just talking about there Sean Black, his belter, Brown's ground game Baufin, the Dallas defence and Bob Ag, Anthony Lynn and the Chargers not kneeling on the ball at the end of the first half and causing a Falcons-esque collapse yeah uh, Maven X, his belter is OBJ, went to town on the Cowboys like he always does. Baufin is the Jets, and Bobag is the NFLPA, allowing a team to fly and play on the same day while said team and their opponents were still in COVID incubation timeframe. Shawnee B, his belter is Joe Burrow's first win. Baufin is the 49ers losing to the Eagles, and Bobag is Jalen Ramsey um, for knocking up Golden Tate's sister and leaving her and then fighting with Golden Tate on the field. <laughs> what, what, uh, yeah. what social commentary can you bring to that? I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean that that's almost unbelievable. You know, it's that's that's almost playground stuff. But clearly, uh, there was bad blood between them. But um, he's got I've the bragging rights because he won. Listen, so. I've never heard of anybody fighting in a playground because they knocked up their sister. That's uh that's not playground stuff. That's, well, <laughs> that's definitely adult arguments. <laughs> 
It's playground stuff in Dundee, surely. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I, I apologise. It's an old, old joke. Oh, dear. You just it's alienated a whole city. No, it's they, don't like, they don't like me anyway. No, I, I, that's just one of these jokes you pick on a city, whatever it is. So my apologies to the fine people of the city of Discovery. No downloads from there this no. week. <laughs> or downloads and unfollows. Um, right, Phillips, a couple more here. Phillips Spears is Belter is OBJ's last touchdown. That was a thing of beauty. Bob Ag was a Rams Colts game, deserves this just for wasting my time. Rams Colts game. Rams Giants. Yes. Um, Bowfin is picking Kenyon Drake over Mixon on my fantasy team. Philip, I feel your pain. I didn't take um, Drake. I took someone else, but I <laughs> Mixon was on my bench. Uh, Matt Inkster, his belters, the Buffalo Bills, as they're undefeated through four weeks and sit two games ahead of the Patriots. Bowfin is Hoyer and the refs in the Chiefs game. And Bob Ag is the NFL, again, the NFL for allowing the Patriots Chiefs to go ahead before knowing a true picture of what was actually going on. Uh, Donald McLeod, his belter is OBJ, his bowfing is the Raiders' defence, and his bobback is Tom Brady, just because. Um, he says he's got a template set up for this, as that's the only thing that's going to the only thing that's going to change every week is the belter. I'm intrigued to understand what the um, the the Tom Brady just because bobag every week is about. I feel like there's a story there. Steve- well, what, what what part of earning millions of dollars, being the face of the NFL and living with a supermodel, doesn't make you just a little tad envious? <laughs> I, I'm presuming that's what he's thinking. I know we're all happy with our own domestic situation, so it doesn't affect us in any way. <laughs> That's our wife's unfollowing us now. Um, right, uh, Belter, Stephen Lynn, Belter, Joe Burrows, Bowfin is the Cowboys, and Bob Ag, Jalen Ramsey. Right, last two, Polly, his Belter's Justin Herbert. He looks like the real deal. Bowfin is the Cowboys special teams, finding a, um, finding a way to turn Cleveland's extra point attempt into a two-point conversion, almost Buck-esque in its execution. And Bob Ag is Tom Brady for no other reason than I feel left out for not nominating him so far. Okay then, no. The Santa Clara officials were forcing the Sunday Night Football comms team to wear masks. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, that, that's it's a California thing, you know, because all the, the forest fires and all that sort of stuff and COVID and everything else that's going on in California. So, yeah, they decided that people had to wear masks because obviously that was going to be a real threat to national security. So um, we'll move swiftly on from that. And I'll ask you guys your belter of the week. Well, uh, I'm going to pick probably the best off-field acquisition of the year, which is pro- uh, on-field acquisition, I should say, of the year um, so far. Stefan Diggs. Best, be- I would say the best transaction that's been made um, over the close season. He has lifted the Buffalo Bills to another level. And I think now we can say that they are legitimate Super Bowl contenders and possibly the main threat to Kansas City in the AFC. I tipped Indianapolis to go to the Super Bowl from the AFC, but Buffalo are brilliant to watch. Brilliant to watch. So they are. he has definitely been, in my view, the best receiver in the first four weeks of the season. Paul? OBJ. I mean, that, that run was just absolutely sensational. If you want to look for something that you don't normally get, I mean, he was all over the shop. I'd somehow got that 50 yard. I just, it, it was a play of beauty. It's a play you'd love to see over and over again, unless you're a Dallas fan. That to me was the, the clear belter. Yeah, so notable mention from me to uh, Jamie Gillen, the Scottish Hammer, who managed to hit the scoreboard not once, not twice, but three times in warm ups. 
Um, so says the man himself. I reached out to him early and asked him. We spoke to him before the season and asked him if he was going to do it. Paul, you set him the challenge. He did it I did. three times. So well done, Jamie, on that one. But actually, I'm, I'm going to give it to Tonyan. Um, because I think that you look at a player like Jamie Graham and you look at how little Jamie Graham did. And he's a great player, Jamie Graham but really didn't contribute. And then you look at a performance like that and it just shows you how much of an asset you can be if you can find some separation and you can catch the ball. How Jimmy Graham didn't manage to do that with Aaron Rodgers, I don't know, but there's chemistry there in Green Bay and that is just another threat. They've got multiple wide receivers when they're fit. They've now got a tight end that's a threat and they've got one of the best running backs in the game, both as a runner and as a pass catcher out the back. On offense, the Packers are legitimately a huge threat. Um, and it looks so far like the defense has taken some step-ups this year as well, though it'll be interesting to see how they do um, against some of the other teams as well. But, I mean, to be perfectly honest, they've answered every single question that's been asked of them so far. So what more can you ask than that? Can I just say, just on that uh, OBJ thing, because I saw this earlier, I've just found it again, uh, he was expected by the play probability to gain two yards. Touchdown probability was less than 1%. And he ran at 20.64 miles per hour, second fastest run as a member of the Browns. That was an outstanding play. And if somehow people haven't seen it, go dig it out. It was brilliant. Who are your Bowfin nominations for this week? Uh, my my Bowfin um, goes to the, the Rams and the Giants for all of this nonsense regarding Jalen Ramsey. Because, you know, afterwards, you know, uh, Giants coach Joe Judge said he didn't know all the details. Seriously, NFL coaches are control freaks. They know absolutely everything. Don't give it that. Aaron Donald, now, what a player he is. You know, one of the best things about Aaron Donald, well, two, two good things. His first step is amazing and his vision is brilliant. Aaron Donald didn't see it. <laughs> so, no, I, I don't believe all of that. That That is boofing stuff from both teams. You knew what the problem was. Just come out and admit it. Say there was a personal issue between two players. Stop giving us this nonsense. Judge is the worst. The head coach knew. You can't. You there's no way you can convince me otherwise that that head coach didn't know the situation going in. Charles, fair point. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's summed it up there. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna add um, that that incident to the ball bag as well because you don't need to you don't need to drag drag it down to a a personal level. Um, I've already mentioned the Dallas defense. Um, I think we have either New York team utterly shambolic. Uh, there's going to be questions, I think, over Daniel Jones's long-term viability as quarterback, but we can maybe pile into that with Jamie one week. Yes, um, I'm sure he's uh, um, I'm sure he's, uh, he's he's loving the start to the Giants season. The other the other team that I think has been a massive disappointment until last night was Philadelphia. And actually, they have they have kicked in. So I'm going to give my bowfing performance to San Francisco because, frankly, you should be beating the Eagles because they stink. Uh, hang on. You can't on one hand say that they've been disappointing and then when they do win, say, you stink. That, that's, yeah, they, no, no, no. They do, no, no, no you can. Like the Eagles have been absolutely awful have compared been awful. to what we're talking about. Definitely and awful. 
at the start of the season, they've been awful. And then they managed to go all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast and beat the team that got to the Super Bowl last year. Even if you've got loads of injuries, you should still be beating the Eagles because they are rank rotten. <laughs> they, they played for a tie last week. Yeah, they did. They did. I, yes, it was uh, disappointing. I'll accept that. I'll take it on the chin. My boyfriend goes to the, the NFC East in there. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, you could, to be perfectly honest. But um, the Bowfin, in fact, I'm, I'm going to do that very thing. Even though they've beaten my Niners, I'm going to put the NFC East in the Bowfin category because it remains to be just the worst division in football. And whoever wins that is going to win it with a losing record. Um, I genuinely, someone's getting in there with seven wins and they're going to get into the postseason and have home field advantage at some point against a wildcard team, which is just straight mental. Um, right, ball bags then. Ball bag for me is the officials in the Kansas City New England game who missed the most obvious case of a turnover and they blew the whistle on Patrick Mahomes being sacked and then said it was an incomplete pass. And actually that was the, probably the turning point in the game. If New England had gone and scored a touchdown on that, then who knows where it would have gone. You cannot blow the whistle that early. And that is a legitimate refereeing gripe. Not None of this nonsense that Mitchell throws in on a bi-weekly basis about, Easy, oh, boy. the flag Easy. too early, or yeah. oh, everyone's mean to our players. No, that was a legitimate cock-up. And the two, ultimately, the two most high-profile teams in the league, Monday night football, and you make a mistake like that, you can't do it. Well, I, I have a good authority that the EPL officials who run VAR were just shaking their heads at the incompetence. Yeah, Bill, that, that was Bill Belichick went absolutely bananas on the touchline. And, and he was right. He was yeah. absolutely right. And it was a turning point in the game. You mentioned it earlier. Bill Belichick, I thought, schemed the defence absolutely brilliantly. Now, he, the, the drop on the first uh, series of the game is just one of those things. Your cornerback's got to catch that. But decisions like that, absolutely awful. So, ball back for me. Um, oh, I've not asked you, Paul. I'm going to give you mine anyway. It's Jalen Ramsey because he's just a ball bag. And I think of that of him anyway. And he's just general behavior. Stories about him doesn't surprise me. He threw the first punch. Um, he is just a ball bag. He's just a ball bag. A mouthy ball bag. Um, and I don't like that. I've said this repeatedly. I don't like that style of football player. I just don't like it. Um, so for me, it's an easy one. He's a ball bag. I've got quite a lot of ball bags, but well. they go into one category, okay? <laughs> so before you take that out of context, the ball bag award goes to all those Saints fans who were thinking that if the game against the Lions had gone off, it wasn't a bad thing because of all the injuries that we had. So they actually wanted the player to be tested positive for COVID so that game would get called off. That's ball baggery. It's next man up in the NFL. You play the damn game. Every team's got injuries. And if you are, I'm, try, I'm trying to find the right word without using the phrase crapping yourself at playing the Lions away because you've got a few injuries, then I'm sorry, that's just nonsense. You either support your team or you don't. Any suggestion that that game would have been great for the Saints to be called off because they had a few injuries is nonsense. Get in there, play the damn game. Fan base got a lot of faith in Breeze then, yeah? I've, I've got faith in my team. You know, we were injured. We, we, did, we did have players out. The rest of them don't. So oh, some of them right. don't. And, you know, and some of them got a kicking on Twitter for it. It, it would appear. I, I just don't like 
conversations like that. You know, injuries happen across all sports. That's just how it is. The NFL, I mean, it then comes into the skill of your general manager. It's about the depth of your squad, the depth of your practice squad, being able to do deals. Every team's got injuries. And just because we had a few, going into the Lions of all teams. Now, okay, they'd won it against Arizona. I think the Lions sometimes get a bit of a bum rap. They don't seem to be able to finish games out. And I think, and we, I'll just mention it here, I was going to mention it in the next part. I think this is what's going to get Matt Patricia sacked, is their inability to actually take control of a game by the scruff of the neck and take it on. Now, being beaten by the Saints after being 14-0 is not the worst thing in the world, but it's the fact that they just disappeared from the game, I think, would really trouble Lions fans. So that is a nice segue to bring us on to the next section, which we talked about at the top there, is basically a review and a scorecard of the Q1 performance. What we'll do to kick this off is we'll look at the top and the bottom. We'll kill those easy ones off. Um, and then what we'll do is we'll go through everybody that's left on a division-by-division division basis and try and collectively agree between the three of us what we think the scorecard should be for those teams. So let's start, first of all, by just agreeing that anybody that's unbeaten so far, whether you've played three games or four, gets an A. Do we hear any objection to that? Just an A? Is there a, a star in there? or a I tell you what, we can pick one, one of the A's. Now, the six teams, obviously, are the Packers, the uh, Seahawks, the Chiefs, the Titans, the Bills, and the Steelers. We can pick one to be the A+. Plus. Um I'll be honest, Charles, I'm going to play right into your lap here. It is the Packers. Possibly the uh, Bills, but it's the Packers. Yeah, I was going to I was going to give it um, with a, a great amount of magnanimity to the Bills uh, rather than get my cheesy yellow head on and just... Okay. Paul, you get to decide then. The Bills have improved the most. And they have. I just think that the Saints... Uh, the Saints the Packers have played better opposition. Um, and therefore, I, that's why I'm edging it to them. But Paul, I'll give you the cast and vote on that. Oh, it's the Bills, without doubt. You know, they, they were the ones that could have gone a little bit backwards. They haven't. I think Charles mentioned it regarding Diggs. They've gone uh, and won in Las Vegas, which I know from personal experience with the Saints is a really difficult place to go. Um, so, yeah, they get my nod. Next up, let's give some Fs. So F is a fail. Out of Q1, any team that's 0-4, for me, automatically gets an F. So we are talking about the Texans. We're talking about the Jets. We're talking about the Giants. I think that's us. Falcons. Oh, the Falcons. Oh, geez. Falcons. They, they get a special. Atlanta. Yeah. Yep. How could I forget? Um, <laughs> so so they, you're saying they automatically get an F. That, that's incorrect. Uh, the Texans get an F minus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, fine. I'll give the Texans an F minus. So the worst, the worst of the worst of the Texans. Ah, Okay, this is this is a good point. This is a good point to dig into Bill O'Brien. I think um, I we were talking on the WhatsApp, our internal WhatsApp group yesterday about Bill O'Brien and his maybe his legacy, what he's left behind, and obviously Deshaun Watson's there. Yeah. But I, I I was looking at his record, and he was there six completed seasons, three nine and sevens, a ten and six, and an eleven and five. And the only season where he didn't have a winning record was Deshaun, Deshaun Watson's first season when he did his cruise ship. And I think there's no doubt he deserved to go. I think we we could probably all agree on that. But there are pieces there for whoever comes in to work with. And if you were a head coach wanting to take over a job, and let's you've already forked the Jets, Cameron, so let's assume that Adam Gaze does get his jotters. And let's assume that Matt Patricia does leave Detroit. 
Um, who, which of those three teams, if you were a head coach looking for a job, would you want to take over? I'd want to take over Houston. I, I genuinely, I would want to take over Detroit. I think that Matt Stafford is a very high-functioning quarterback, and there's better wide receiver talent there. There's a depth of running back talent, and there's an iffy defense. And I think that the defense in Detroit needs addressed desperately. I, I just think if we look at the Texans and you look at the wide receivers, Will Fuller is clearly a, a capable, more than capable wide receiver, right? He's a good wide receiver. He's not a wide receiver one for me. Uh, he's also very injury-prone. And... And that's got to be a worry. You look at the other guys there. Randall Cobb is a decent guy. Of course he is. He's been around a long time. There's not a lot left in him. Brandon Cooks is a constant disappointment. David Johnson's looked okay since he's coming, but that offensive line has got so many gaps in it. My worry is, and I put a tweet out slightly dramatically, to say that I was gutted that the Texans had ruined Deshaun Watson's career. Now, I think that is a bit over the top, right? He has just signed a massive new contract. He's going to be there a long time. But the offensive line is so leaky, so porous. The big risk for Deshaun Watson is, and, and the style of player that he is, is when he's under pressure, he will turn and he will try and escape and, and create room. He's brilliant at it. He's he's one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch. I think he's, he's every bit as exciting as Mahomes is. He's just not got the pieces around him to enable his true capability. My worry is that he's going to get absolutely destroyed this season. And for the remainder of the season, he's going to be under constant pressure. He's already suffered injuries, and all it takes is one wrong turn and an ACL injury or something like that, and that completely changes him as a player. And I'm worried that the Texans have given away so many pieces. They've given away so much of their their pick collateral that they it's not going to be a quick fix. It's uh, unless somebody comes in and is an absolute masterstroke at general manager who can really get into the draft and pick out some absolute diamonds. They don't have a lot of cap space. They're in negative cap space for 2021. They've got to get rid of players before they can bring other ones in. So and. Uh, yeah, you even look at the free agency that's coming up, and it's not even all that massively exciting. There's, um, It's going to take more than a season to turn this Texan team around. I think that's, that's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think right. it's a rebuild. I don't think it's a complete rebuild, but I do think it's a substantial rebuild. Substantial if you, if enough it'll take years. But if you're the head coach and you're, you're interviewing for a job, you want to work with Deshaun Watson ahead of Matthew Stafford. But, and, anybody else. and I think you know, it, it does not take that much in the NFL to turn a team from worst to first. It doesn't take much at all. And you've got a you've got a relatively weak division there. Yeah, that but, is the one benefit for sure. In Indianapolis, who will be looking for a quarterback in the next year to 18 months, they've got a very good team other than that, but Rivers is on his last legs. You've got Tennessee who are solid, but they're not going to go 14 and 2. Uh, well, you know what? They'll, they'll probably go fourteen and two this season, and they'll prove me wrong because they're three more at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and then you get Jacksonville and Jacksonville or Jacksonville. Yes, so yeah, yeah. Houston are a, they're a bit of an enigma, and Bill O'Brien has been taking a lot of heat in the last few weeks and pelters in the last twenty four hours, and probably rightly so. But the problem lies above him because they he was given the the whole charge of the ship. So I think if they if they go down the right road. I don't think they're too far away from getting back to the playoffs maybe next year or the year after. I don't think that they're too far away at all. With Watson, you can win any game. Yes, definitely. You can. And this is the thing. So they'll, they are not so bad that they're not going to not win the division. I don't, I, though, I don't, 
there. Yeah, I think so. This year's this year's a losing season. I think next year's a losing season for them. I think they have two years of losing season. Beyond that, they might get into the playoffs. They're not getting further than that is my concern. And I think that, you know, back to the point, it depends on how quickly you can turn this team around. If you're a head coach looking for a job, especially if you're a young guy, you want to make sure that you're going to be given the time in Houston to actually rebuild that team. Because if they're going to judge you on two or three years, there's a good chance you're not going to survive because that's not a lot of time to turn things around. All it takes is a couple of injuries or a couple of results to go the wrong way. The team doesn't have enough capability to be driving down the field all the time to be to be going for those wins. And I think that, for me, would be the worry, for sure. I think, yeah, Bill O'Brien going is absolutely the right thing. It would be really interesting to see what they do to, to replace him. Uh, and I think there's a lot of hard work to be done there. Interesting as well, the guy that got rid of him is a guy that he brought him himself who's been involved in all these trades as well. So, you know, it's not like they've completely got away from the mindset that's been behind these absolutely mental, stupid trades. And I'll, I just can't hear that Hopkins one. It's just that will mark Bill O'Brien's career, sadly, more than all those winning seasons that he had in Houston, which, as you highlighted, he's not had a bad record. Can I give you three things that I think are interesting coming out of this? One, Bill O'Brien has been accused in the last few weeks of putting Deshaun Watson in physical harm in some quarters by his play calling. Now, that's a really serious charge. Now, you don't know where that's coming from. Two, I mean, I, I read a piece online saying the Texans are finally free from Bill O'Brien. I think that's really harsh on Bill O'Brien for the reasons that you've given Bill O'Brien has been around the league a long time and has got a lot of friends. Now, you look at some of the hit pieces. Now, I don't know whether they're true or not. The hit pieces that are now coming out on Jack Easterby, who came in as the vice I think, vice president of football operations this year um, and basically is the one that's behind some of this. Um, he is he's slightly unorthodox. He's a speaker. He's an author, sports administrator and pastor. Um, he's done work as a character development coach for the Patriots. Already stories are coming out uh, questioning his NFL biography, um, could be involved in a serious fraud case. So it looks like, you know, Bill O'Brien may have been expecting this and some in, in his quarter are, look like they're pulling the trigger on hit pieces on the Texans, maybe to try and get Bill O'Brien to come out of this a little bit better so Bill O'Brien gets another job somewhere. I think this is this is quite a fascinating story for all the facets that come around it. And I think the other thing that it highlights is perhaps it's all about the media narrative. You know, how you control that. There's so many different media sources now, uh, and we see this in just about every walk of life now. It's all about controlling the media narrative. This looks like Bill O'Brien knew it was coming, um, and basically has gone, has gone down swinging and he's ready to to go. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, right, let's... Would we... Sorry. Yeah, I, the only thing I would say is, would we be talking about this and would this have happened if they hadn't started by playing Kansas City, Baltimore and Pittsburgh? Possibly not. If they started by playing Jacksonville, Miami and the New York Jets, yeah. he would not have been fired. No. But that is football. Indeed. Indeed. Absolutely. You can only lose to the teams that are put in front of you. Um, okay, right. Let's get back to these scorecards because we're we're at forty six minutes already. We've been rattling on here, and we've got a lot of scoring to do. We gave all the four and uh, all the unbeaten teams an A. I guess my question to you guys, first of all, is: Are there any other teams that are deserving of an A that maybe don't have a perfect record? 
I, th I think Cleveland for their, their, the way they, they bounce back. Um, you know, they are still under a new head coach. You know, they are still trying to find an identity. And they're doing so under a national spotlight as well because Cleveland's a story. So I think they're certainly worth an A. Um, I'm going to back you on that. So I've just put it in as an A because actually that's one of the teams that I've pulled out. They lost week one to the Ravens, but since then they've really bounced back and that performance against the Cowboys was impressive in every part of the field. Now they've lost Nick Chubb, difficult one, but I think that it was... Uh, a lot of character is being shown by Cleveland. Uh, Baker Mayfield seems to be in his groove. Odell Beckham playing well. Now, I said it was a great performance in every part of the field. Defense, maybe some questions there, 450 yards, I know. But um, they, were, they were good enough to win that game. So, for me, they also get an A. I'd give them a B plus. I wouldn't say that they are convincing me yet that they're going to be mounting a challenge in January. And, yeah, you beat Dallas, but... As one of our um, listeners has already pointed out, you or I would be able to get <laughs> significant yardage against Dallas. So, yeah, let's see what happens when they come up against Pittsburgh, shall we? Yes, let's see what happens when they come up against Pittsburgh. Any other A's? I, I'm not, there's no one else I'm going to put forward no. for me. No. So let's move into the B's um, and teams that are deserving of a B grading. Uh, first one I'm going to put forward are, is going to be B for Baltimore. I think that the Ravens uh, don't get an A because of that sort of lackluster performance against the Chiefs. Not massively convincing against Washington. They're not quite as exciting as they were last year, but they're still good enough. And I think that they probably go on and win that division still. Maybe question marks about the Steelers. But uh, for me, it's a solid B for Baltimore. B I would give to Indianapolis, Tampa Bay. New England, Los Angeles, Rams. I think they've all they're all proving that they can all get to the playoffs and that they're well coached. And that ultimately is often the difference. So the Yeah, I mean I've I've got that. I mean I've got my list for bees, the Colts, the Pats for being reasonably solid. Both sides of LA. Um, I mean the Chargers possibly slightly ahead of Rams if you were going B plus and B minus. The one and three uh, chargers with a B. Yeah, yeah, because they I mean, okay, so I'm giving their doctor an F for taking out their quarterback. <laughs> but I'm giving them a B because they brought in Justin Herbert, who, you know, whether that he was ready to play or not, but I don't think he was mentally ready to play because he wasn't expecting to be the starter. And I think, you know, he ran Tom Brady pretty damn close. Uh, I think there's enough there to see that their future is there. They've obviously had to work pretty hard to get them ready to play. So I, I give them a B, yeah, just simply because I think they, they're in a situation they weren't expecting. The doctor obviously gets an A, but everybody else gets a B. See, I think it's a C oh, for Charger. I was a C for Charger. And the, the thing for me that gives them the C, and it isn't a B, is that defeat to the Panthers. And I think that if they, they ran... Mahomes really close and they he ran Brady really close he was really impressive in both the whole team was but they were really disappointing against the Panthers and I think that that for me is just enough to be like oh, it was really poor um, and, and that for me is the difference between a B and a C I think a B uh, you know, you know, you look at other teams, the Colts and stuff like that. They're obviously three and one. I'm not even sure that the Patriots get a B. Um, they maybe get a slight pass just because that one against the Chiefs last night was a bit of a nothing thing because Cam got COVID. Um, I, I think you give, feels no, harder. I think you give the Patriots a B. 
Yeah, you give the Patriots a B. And I well, I think because that's it. Of the two, if I'm giving the Patriots a B or the Chargers a B, I'm giving it to the Patriots, and the Chargers would get a C. Yeah, the Patriots have moved on from Brady and completely changed their offense, and have proved that they can hang with a team like Seattle, um, and are legitimately still a contender. Um, you mentioned the Panthers. I think you give the Panthers a B plus because everyone thought that they would be ranked rotten and they lose their opening two games with Christian McCaffrey. He gets injured and then they win the next two. So the Panthers are massively overachieving. The other two teams that we haven't mentioned in that middle category are the defending NFC champions and the team that everyone thinks are going to be the NFC champions, your two teams. So what I would say is I think I should be judging the marks for the San Francisco 49ers and the New Orleans Saints because everybody on this podcast knows that you two are biased. So I would give San Francisco a B minus. Oh, really? Because you have loads of injuries. Loads of injuries. But still legitimately the team to beat in the NFC when everyone's fit. And I would give the New Orleans Saints a B minus as well, purely on the basis that you're having to deal with a quarterback who can't throw it beyond the end of the garage. And actually, you're still winning games and you're doing it without your top receiver. So the Saints and the 49ers, I think, should be quite happy with a B minus after the first quarter of the season. But that's my view. We're, so we're ending up with a lot. So I guess if I if I look at the, the other teams with a B. A lot of Bs in there. Yeah, there's a lot of Bs. And this is where we're going to start to get into like, hang on, everyone's got a B. Um and we need to kind of put some delineage here because there's some Ds still to come as well, which is pretty crap, but you're not quite being written, written off yet. Um, the, the... What about, what about Cs? Well, indeed. So, C, so I feel like the Bears need to get a B because I think they've been really... They've, they're three and one. They're three and one. And they just lost out to the Colts, who are a B. Um, and they've just changed their quarterback. I think the Bears surprised me more than anybody else. I didn't expect anything from them this year. How they were an unbeaten team after three weeks is beyond me still. Um, so for me, the Bears get a B uh, because they've, yeah, really impressive performance and obviously not so great there against the Colts, but that's a brilliant Colts defense. And the, the Bears defense looked as though it started to wake up a little bit, which is good, but... Yeah, I I'm I'm trying to think here. So the Rams, if we if we have a look at the Rams, so the Rams are three Rams and one, and I think that's fair. That's a B. I like the Rams. Yeah. I think that I think that they're a playoff team, and they're well, you know, as I said well before, well coached, and they've got some legitimately top wide receivers as well, which ultimately is the basis of their game, even though they're a running game. But if Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, it's hard to find a a good pair, a better pairing than than that in the league, apart from Calvin Ridley, maybe, and Julio Jones. And they're 0-4. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it swings in roundabouts. What about the Raiders? So... <laughs> they were 2-0, and and I said that they were legit. <laughs> and I said before the season they were shit. So, you know, <laughs> they're somewhere in the middle. Um, maybe the Raiders are a prime example for a C, but that feels harsh because I really wrote them off. I'm surprised that they're 2-2. Two and two. Like, that's one of the biggest surprises for me, that they're 2-2. Two and two. Um, The Raiders are a B. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They have, they have overachieved. But l- let's pick off some low-hanging fruit elsewhere, though, and give the Philadelphia Eagles a D. Yep. Let's give the Dallas Cowboys a D. Yep. Um, I give Washington a C because they've won a game. 
Um, I, I, and that you know, surprises I, me. Yeah, that that surprises a lot of people. So that's sort of low hanging fruit. I give Minnesota a D because I expected more from them. I would give them a C, given the fact that they've got so many new players. But at times they've just looked outclassed. Now whether they'll get better having beaten Houston, I don't know. But certainly they would disappoint. So I think that's some of the low hanging fruit. Jacksonville Jaguars get a D simply because of the Jags. I mean, they're just. <laughs> I don't know. They're just such a disappointing team. Uh, and they get a D simply because, you know, if the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the telly, would you turn on and watch them? I would have to because my six-year-old supports them. But that's the only reason. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to have words about that as well. Um, but, you know, they're just that, you know, you can take bad teams that are looking to try and get better. Uh, but you're interested to see, I mean, Cincinnati are not a good team, not by any stretch of the imagination. And of course, they've got Joe Burrow, so there, there is an interest there. But, you know, you look at it and you think the Jags, they're just so mad. Um, so what did the Bengals I, get? The Bengals, the Bengals are fine. I, get, I, give them a, I give them a C. Yeah, I, I think I'm kind of looking risky. Them. Yeah, I look- one, two and one, right? Uh, 99 points scored, 99 points against. Um they're one and one at home, all one and one away. <laughs> um, but yeah, a, a D's wrong, a B's too high. So C has to be the right outcome there. They're in the similar category to Washington. Perhaps I think more was expected of Cincinnati than Washington this year. And Washington are playing for their coach and they've got nothing to play with. And there might be a quarterback change in Washington, but they deserve a C ranking because they are absolutely balling out every week. And Cincinnati are as well, and Burrow is 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 a serious talent for the future. There's no doubt about it, and he's got some pieces there to work with too. Yeah. So I think Cincinnati should deserve a C. Okay, uh, I've also got the Lions down as a C. I think that the Lions mm-hmm. are in the same camp as the Vikings. They've managed to win a game. They keep blowing leads, but they're in they're in the games. They're not getting decimated or anything like that. Um, no, they, they get a D. I mean, I, I yeah, take your I, I take your reasoning, but to to put yourself in that position and not be able to finish, given the fact that the coach has been there several years, they've got key players in several positions. That's a D, I think, because it's not that they've overperformed, but they've been in a position to do an awful lot better and constantly blown it. And I could, you know, I certainly couldn't give them a C for that. There's there's no way. I mean, I like the lines of you know. You always think they're going to break out at some point and cause somebody some damage. But I think the coaching probably drags them back down to, to D. Okay. I'll not fight so, that one. That's um, right. There can't be that many teams. No, I mean, I've got three but, left but, to go. I've yeah, got when Arizona? We... Yeah. Arizona, Arizona are disappointing, given all the hype. They, they, shouldn't be, um, they shouldn't be losing that game of the weekend. That's a poor loss for me. But that's two poor losses in a row. I mean, Arizona, if you want to be harsh, Arizona get a D. Because I expected Arizona, having won the first week, to go 4-0. And they're not. They're 2-2. Two two. So I'm going to argue the case that Arizona should get a D. Now, that's because I've upset so many people on this podcast. We may as well go to the Arizona fans. As well. <laughs> There's not many of them. Not, it's fine. <laughs> uh, well, so, oh, thanks. You, you'll just you'll deflect. It's not that I don't think they'll get better. 
It's not that I don't think that they can't make the playoffs, but I think what we're doing here is, you know, after eight games, we'll come back and we'll yes. review these rankings. Yeah, yeah. So we're trying to set a line in the sand. I expected them to be 4-0 given the way they started, beating San Francisco. They're not. They're 2-2. Two two. That, that's a definitive D for them. Okay. If they... If they stood a chance of reaching the playoffs, they had to start 4-0 because they're playing in the yes. toughest of football. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, last two. Uh, Paul, I'll let you lead on one of them and then, Charles, you can lead it on the other. The first one for you, Paul, is the Dolphins. The Dolphins, again, are just that, you know, they've got PCs. They're looking good. What did I expect from them? I expected them to be exactly where they are. You know, they balled it against... You know, Seattle, they do give it a go. Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to give you, you know, that way forward. It's a solid C, mainly for effort, because they are where I thought they would be. I don't disagree. Charles, any disagreement? No, I, well, there's rumbles in the water in Miami that Tua might be starting this week. It's actually just so been announced that, that Fitzpatrick's starting week five. I oh, was right. That. That's just been announced on Twitter. So. Breaking news. Well, uh, there is definitely a, a vibe towards at what point do we see Tua? So maybe come week eight, things might be different. But there's, Fitzpatrick can only take that team so far. If they are willing to make a jump this year, Miami, we have to see Tua by Thanksgiving, in my view. Yeah. All right, Charles, you can lead off on the last one, and that's the Denver Broncos. Yeah, the team that everyone forgets because they are utterly irrelevant. Um, poor Denver. Stationed up there in the Rocky Mountains with a quarterback um, legend running the show who clearly doesn't appreciate that everyone gets injured nowadays and he didn't have a backup plan. I think they're on about their ninth quarterback since Peyton Manning left. Um, Denver have actually got some really decent players. Jerry Judy's a great, he's, he's a great receiver for the future. Corlin Sutton's a brilliant receiver, but he's gone for the year. Um, they've got, is it Bradley Chubb, I think, on the defence? He's a really top Edge rusher hasn't been seen really at all since he got injured last season. Denver are just a bit of an anomaly. And they're playing in that horrific AFC West, which you're never going to win until 2034. Yeah. Let's be honest. So what is ultimately your, your I guess, your vision as a Denver Broncos fan? What are you going to achieve? You're going to get a wild card? Yeah, maybe. If pigs fly and Drew Locke gets fit again. So... A, yeah, they'd be lucky to get a C. I would give them a C purely on the basis that they've never looked out of games and then they beat the Jets, but that's not saying much. No, the, uh, I think they get a sympathetic C because of the injuries. Yeah. And they have yes. had a lot of injuries, as have the Niners. Um, they've they've almost lost as many significant players. And I think that the difference probably between your B- minus for the, the Niners and the C for the Broncos is the Niners still have managed to get two wins on the road um, in a stadium that just eats people. Uh, through injury um, and and although they lost to the Eagles it was a close game you know there were, and yeah 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 fine I, I've countered all the way through this okay we've got a score against everybody let me run through them very quickly to make sure that we agree all I want to hear is shout in this, if there's an objection else this is what it is we'll go through these uh, we'll start in the north and then we'll move our way around so AFC North Browns get an A Ravens get a B Steelers get an A Bengals get a C a, the order to this is all over the place, by the way. So uh, AFC, uh, NFC North, Packers get an A, Bears get a B, Vikings get a C, Lions get a D. Can't believe you're giving the Bears a B, but anyway, go on. Three and one, man. Uh, e AFC East, Patriots get a B, Bills get an A+, Jets get an F, Dolphins get a C. 
NFC East, D for the Eagles, D for the Cowboys, or not, as the case may be. <laughs> they wish they had a D. <laughs> um, sorry. Giants get an F, and the Washington football team get a C. Um, AFC South, Titans A, Colts B, Texans F-, and Jags D. And we get into the NFC South, which is Bucks and Panthers with a B, Saints with a B-, and the Falcons with an F. That's a lot of B in there. Um, lastly, AFC West, Chiefs get an A, Raiders get a B, Chargers and Broncos get a C. I know we that Chargers one might be, yeah, the contentious one. Uh, and then NFC West is uh, Seattle get an A, Rams get a B, Niners get a B minus, Cards get a D. I think that's relatively fair. <laughs> no, no problem there. No problem. We're not really judges and jury i'm sure the uh i'm sure the public will have their their say Absolutely. i mean if you could give someone a Z, I think it would be between the jets and the texans but <laughs> on, in, the, in the interests of fairness in this exercise i think an f minus is perfectly fair i'd give the jets an f minus as well just because of adam gase i mean honest to god how can you lose to denver with like backup number seven they're just abysmal new york jets they are appalling they are. Apparently they're trying to get Flash Gordon back, so that, that, would, that could be the answer to it. Um, and even looking ahead now, just before we wrap up, if we look ahead to week five, right, there's not even a lot of games in there that are going to tell us an awful lot more as well. If if we look at the fixture list, it's it's interesting. So Bears-Bucks on Thursday night. That feels like it could be quite one-sided, other than if the Bucks are so banged up they've not got anybody there for Brady to throw to. Beyond that, you've got Titans-Bills. There's a question mark over that because um, who knows how many of the Titans will be fit. You've then got Texans-Jags, meh. Uh, Ravens-Bengals feels like it probably one-sided. Falcons-Panthers isn't really that relevant in anything. Chiefs-Raiders maybe partially interesting. Jets-Cardinals, Steelers-Eagles, Washington-Rams, Niners-Dolphins, Cowboys-Giants, who can suck the most in that one, Patriots-Broncos, Browns-Colts is an interesting one, um, Seahawks-Vikings, I'm not sure is, could be, I guess, Saints-Chargers. Uh, I actually feel like that's a bit of a, it's a bit of a lacklustre week of fixtures. I'll stop I agree. watching it, but yeah. I, I agree. If some of these games were flipped, you know, to home and away, I think it would be interesting. Can I, can I be really dull, which is not unusual, from a televisual point of view and say, this is a week where CBS gets the late window, so the, the 4.25. Now, given the, the way the fixtures fall, they've been able to go in and take a game from the Fox slate and move it across. Um, because Giants against Cowboys, which is normally a solid Fox game, is actually going to be shown by CBS. Now, they obviously looked at this and thought, brilliant, Giants-Cowboys always rates one of the highest games that you can get. So CBS have come in, nicked it. It is CBS's. It will be classed as their game of the week because I don't think they're going to put Broncos Patriots or Colts Browns across nationally. So you're going to get the Giants Cowboys as America's, well, their version of America's game of the week. Uh, they must have thought they'd want to watch. Uh, in fact, they've they've just got a fake from Taiwan. <laughs> So, uh, before we move on, um, we need to give an update on our Bonnie Sauce NFL Scotland Pick'em League. So, up the top, we've got two players tied 
with 49 points. Uh, keep having commit dreams remains in first position, but he's now joined by the first ever pick king of Scotland, Jambo Jap, who's sitting there on 49. Behind, on his own in position number three, is Alex McNiven with 48. We've then got a plethora of people on 47 uh, and a whole uh, a couple of people on 46 and beyond that. I'm currently sitting on 43 in 39th place and I'm looking down the list and I can't help but notice one Charles Patterson sitting in 16th tied with 45, only four away from the top. A decent couple of weeks performance from Mr. Patterson. Well, class is permanent, as they say. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, anything to add to that, Paul? I, I love Charles. He's so humble. <laughs> uh, you, know. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's what it comes... Because he did say to me, when it comes to being humble, he's the greatest. There is no one better. I've got so. one thing to do before we wrap up, but any other news items before we move on to that? No, I just think it's going to be an interesting... Week. I mean, I, I've watched some of the TV stuff. Some of the new TV partnerships aren't quite working for me yet. And I don't know whether it's because guys are socially distanced or it's not quite feel the same. But I don't think some of the TV coverage has been particularly strong in the booth. I'm going to watch a little bit more and, and talk about that in a few weeks' time. But I've just not been overly convinced at times this year. The only um, team news, really, that's popped up in the last day or so is that... Um, Mohamed Sanu's on, in, uh, he's a free agent again. 49ers have let him go. And given this is a guy who was playing in the Super Bowl a few years ago for Atlanta, he's done, isn't he? He's absolutely done. And I, I find it strange that actually the, the, the 49ers have obviously got these players coming back. So they've realized that they don't need him. And they've obviously also realized that he can't live to their standards. So I've, I said it once, I'll say it again. When they get their players back, San Francisco, there's still a team to beat in the NFC. Yeah, I think if everybody's fit, um, there's definitely enough talent there to be relevant. Um, it's the defense. There's a couple of people missing on defense. It's really hard to replace. So they need to just try and make sure those pieces that have come in are able to stay close to it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it was great to have Mohamed Sanu. I was a big fan of him. I thought he was a great player, um, but just not necessarily the, the type of wide receiver that the Niners are looking for at the moment. I hope he finds a home. Uh, do you know what? Someone with his experience, with there's so many injuries going around, I'm sure he'll end up on a roster somewhere, for sure. Right, we're going to close out then with what we talked, what I talked about at the very top. Um, there is an ongoing burger bet that could see me in a massive beef deficit um, because I did say way back, I think it was in May, that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would not have a winning season under Tom Brady. They are currently three and one. There has been much noise on the NFL Scotland WhatsApp group about the fact that they're 3-1 and one and this is going to cost me greatly. So I decided to have a look ahead into the future and decided that I was going to look at the schedule and figure out exactly how it was they're going to end up 8-8. Eight and, eight. and I stand by it every bit as much right now as I did in May. And I'm going to tell you right now by walking you through their schedule exactly how this is going to go. So buckle in. Before, before you start, I right. think we should get um, Simon Bates' our tune music on just to you know, go in the background and make it nice and romantic <laughs> for you because this quite clearly is a fantasy that you believe in so you go for it my friend you go for it so the tampa bay buccaneers are going to beat the chicago bears this thursday night so it starts off by that and it goes to four and one 
So that's no real surprise there. They're then going to lose to the Packers because I think, Charles, you'll agree, the Packers are on storming. Paul, you've already said that you think the Packers would go 10-0, so you must agree they're going to beat the Buccaneers. So that's great. Yep. We're in agreement so far. At that point, the Buccaneers are 4-2. So do you know what? They continue their great form. They beat the Raiders and they beat the Giants. Holy moly, the Buccaneers are looking in great form. They're now 6-2. and two. Then they lose to the Saints again because by that point, the Saints have got everybody back and I can see that happening. They managed to beat the Panthers. It's fine. You know, I think that would be quite a tough game. But then they lose to the Rams because the Rams have got a lot about them on defense and they can noise up Brady. Aaron Donald hunting them down. Then they play the Chiefs and they lose that one as well. After that, it's the Vikings. And by that point, Kirk Cousins getting into his groove and the Buccaneers have been at home for a while and things are starting to just get a little bit squishy. It's also December where Tom Brady doesn't particularly do very well, even if he's in Florida, as we know, because he sucks when he plays the Dolphins. So that's nothing. Do you know what they do is? They manage to then lose to the Falcons, and then th questions are being asked. They lose to the Lions, and then they manage to beat the Falcons in the last game. Just purely that they go on a bad losing streak, because I think they lose in Atlanta, but they beat the Falcons at home. And they end the season on eight and eight. And that's this how is it goes. utter, utter garbage. Honest to goodness. The only questionable things in there. NFL, <laughs> you call yourself an NFL expert hosting a podcast. I'm looking at the final four weeks of the season. Minnesota, Atlanta twice, and Detroit, who have, at the moment a combined record of two and twelve. <laughs> and you're saying three of those four games. Yeah. That's madness. Yeah. Absolute madness. Listen, you're you're buying burgers in bulk. In bulk. I, I, I would also like to point out, you currently have them sitting inexplicably at number seven in your they bizarre... They deserve to be party. there. They deserve to be I, there. I, I'm, I'm taking great delight in <laughs> slaughtering your power rankings every week. Paul, I have to say, your power rankings have been spot on every week. Um, cameras have just been utterly bizarre. And I cannot for the life of me understand how Tampa are number seven in the power rankings, but there's no chance they're going to lose to Detroit. I mean, unless, unless Muffin McGee is going to be in charge of the co you know coaching staff with Matt Patricia having been booted. There I mean, are so many former Patriots in that Detroit team. If there's any team knows how to beat Tom Brady, it's a team like uh, the Detroit Lions. And it's going to be one of those ridiculous ones where the Lions are so far out of it, that's a junk time defeat. A broken Buccaneers sliding into December when Brady always sucks, and it's just going to be momentum. Negative momentum is going to drag them down. They're going to feel like everything's going happy days, rosy as anything, and it's going to grind them down. And it's going to yes. grind them down towards the end of the season. They'll manage to get a win at the end, end on a eight and eight season. So it's a point five hundred, and that's how we end up with a Buccaneers eight and eight season. You'll, you'll still you, have the middle. Come back. You'll still have you'll have them at number nine in your power rankings still. Even yeah, because if right now that's where they that's where they deserve <laughs> to be. The power rankings are not where I'm predicting people are going to finish. The power rankings are where people are right now, and they are three and one right now, and they're going to be four and one. They might even go up the power rankings next week, but they're going Paul. to ultimately be out of the top ten by the start of December, and that's Paul. how it's going to be. Paul, mute his mic and become the voice of reason here. Seriously. Yeah. Well. 
we'd like to thank everybody for listening in. Cameron <laughs> now is going back to his carer and uh, we're going to check that he's okay. We'll probably give him a COVID test as well and a wee bowl of soup just to check he's okay. Uh, you know what I like about Cameron? He, he puts it on the line. He's going to drink a beer to celebrate. He's got a nice Stuart's Brewery uh, beer ready to go. He puts it on the line. And you know what? I, I think it's great that the rest of us get fed off the back of that burger, <laughs> which is also absolutely fantastic. Um, so, yeah, no, it, it, it's an interesting narrative. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Extra cheese on my burger, please. <laughs> right. Oh, dear. Well, Extra sauce. That's indeed, for sure. There's Extra plenty of sauce. sauce in this place. Right. I think that's a full-time whistle then for episode 118. Share your thoughts on this episode via Twitter at ScotlandNFL and on Facebook by searching for NFL Scotland. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Don't worry, we'll look after Cameron this week. Keep those <laughs> award nominations coming. We'll be back next week to pick apart all the action for week five. But until then, bye for now. No, don't, that's not how to carry a cat. The cat's a cheese head. <sighs> right. What is the right way to carry a cat? <laughs>